We're here with Miles McPherson at Jack Murphy San Diego Stadium. Miles is safety for the San Diego Chargers. Uh, he's in his fourth year as a pro. Uh, this year he was uh, cut from the team, but, but then called back and has been playing for six weeks uh, since that time. And uh, it's a tough job being a safety for the Chargers, but uh, there's something much more important in Miles' life than playing professional football. Tell us a little bit about your spiritual life, Miles. Well, actually in college I accepted the Lord, but I didn't know any Christians then. And for many years I was a backslidden and a Christian and never experienced any growth. And I got involved in drugs in the fast lane. And upon uh, making a pro team, I hung out and, and did basically all the other things that a lot of the um, non-Christians do as far as getting high and hanging out and partying a lot and, and I found that uh, the dream I was chasing after which was a lot of money and and uh, fame and glory didn't didn't answer my questions didn't fill the void in my heart and uh, in 1984 in April I decided to rededicate my life to Christ and and really have a strong walk with the Lord and since then I've ceased doing all that stuff and and now I consider myself a fairly strong Christian and continually growing and and Christ have Christ definitely, without a question, uh, has given me more peace and joy and love in my heart and happiness in my heart than anything else uh, I've ever, ever experienced. I've been, been playing in the pros for four years and uh, been a star at one time, played on Monday night, all the dreams I've had when I was young, but none of them can compare to the, the peace and love and happiness I have in my heart that Jesus gives me simply from sitting in church and just listening to the Word or just sitting at home reading and having a, a, a strong relationship with Him because, of course, his, his joy comes straight to the heart, you know, through grace. What happened in April of 84 that caused you to reevaluate where you were spiritually and led to your recommitment to Christ? Well, I was, I was in, in the fast lane and uh, going about 130 miles an hour and doing everything that most of the young kids want to do and think that is cool to do, you know, hang out, get high, and, and a lot of those things. And uh, it got to the point where I found that I was, you know, an, on a dead-end street. It wasn't making me any happier. It was making me miserable. Uh, relationship with my girlfriend was bad. And uh, I was just realizing that I was chasing a, a lie, living a lie, you know, chasing after happiness that wasn't there. And, and I knew that I had accepted the Lord and knew Christians and knew what the right thing was to do. So I decided to, to rededicate and give my life to the Lord with, with, with uh, 100%, and uh, I did. And ever since then, I haven't turned back, uh, and I'm steadily chasing after what Christ has apprehended for me and what he has planned for my life and trying to uh, fulfill his will in my life. And, and, and it, it's been so good to me, I can't even think about going back. Um, on the Charger team, and we understand that uh, there's a number of strong Christians on this team and a good place for fellowship. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, there are a lot of young, uh, old and young Christians on the team. We had a lot of guys accept the Lord in camp and uh, a lot of new players that are Christians on the team. And we have a, a Bible study every week at Gil Bird's house. And, and we get, you know, about 30 people there every week. And we're grown. We have a great Bible teacher, Mike McIntosh and Sean Mitchell. And uh, uh, we just have a great fellowship going. So in the midst of somewhat of a disappointing season in the sense of not as many wins and some close games and a lot of pressure from the owners and people and expectations in San Diego, there's a number of Chargers who are hanging in there with Christ in the middle of all this. Yeah, there are a number of Christians on the team, and uh, we're hanging in there, but... You know the thing about the Lord is that whether you win or lose, He still loves you, and He still He still He's still behind you. And uh, you know if you if you if you depend on the circumstances of the world to control your happiness, you're just going to be lost. You know you're going to be up one day and down the other another day. But 
With the Lord, he's there every day. He loves you every day. He loves you as much as he did today as he will tomorrow, no matter what happens. And that's the one consistent thing that we need in our life, you know, and a lot of people are chasing after happiness and they can't find it in anything else. Thank you very much, Miles. Best to you. Chula Vista, Rock Church, Oahu, everybody joining us online, watching this right now from all over the world, all over the state, all over the country, watching later, and right here in the room, Point Loma, come on, let's clap our hands, say hello to people, say hello to your extended family, God bless you, and welcome to the Rock Church. How about that video? Wasn't that incredible? Man, he said, I was out to the Lord, and he says, big old, New York was all over our pastor. What a, what a cool testimony. Well, today uh, we are in our, our sixth week of our series entitled The Year That Changed My Life. And I don't know if you've already been experiencing some of that change. I know I have personally and seen it happen for my friends and family. Today is the year that evangelism changed my life. And that's a story of what we just saw from our, our senior pastor. And we can't wait to tell you more about that, that topic, evangelism, and what God has for us, and kind of the, the story that, that God takes many people on. In fact, we have a special guest today that's going to be telling us kind of that, I, I was this person, then Jesus, and then since then, here's all that's happened. I can't believe, I, I can't believe we got this. I'm, I'm serious. It just blows my mind. They, they almost couldn't make it. We got them here just in time. So I, I'm going to introduce this person to you. Uh, drafted by the Rams, played for the San Diego Chargers, uh, renowned speaker, global evangelist, uh, um, a motivational speaker, launched the Rock Church in the year 2000. His name is Miles McPherson. He's our senior pastor. Come on, stand to your feet, wherever you're at. Would you welcome Pastor Miles McPherson. Hey, hey, hey. Pastor, Pastor. What's <laughs> that? Man. Woo, woo. Come on now. Come on now, come on now. What's up, Grab y'all? a seat. What's up? Grab a seat. Is, is that the jersey? This, this is the exact jersey. That, that video was 39 years ago. Wow. I wow. found that disc like a year ago, and I'm like talking like this from the New York. <laughs> I asked the Lord in my heart, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll go 130 miles now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, I sound ignorant. <laughs> you sounded pretty good, though. Like, couldn't you tell he had it then, right? <laughs> hey, listen, I was, a, I was a Christian one year in that video. I had just got saved about a year, 18, 15 months before that. Um, and... Uh, it's been a long time. I was tearing up in the back thinking 30, you know, how long it's been, four, uh, 40 years now that I've been mm. saved, uh, coming up in April. But, uh, you know, today's Super Bowl Sunday, and we were talking about, oh, we never do anything special for Super Bowl. So I was, like, trying to get players, and they're like, oh, I'm at the Super Bowl. Oh, Drew Brees, oh, I'm not going to be at the Super Bowl. I'm like, yo, man, skip the Super Bowl. Come to the Rock. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Travis like, why don't you share your testimony? I was like, I, I, I do it all the time. So I got, like, 97 pictures to show you so <laughs> to make it, make it special. And, and you found that video. <laughs> The year that changed that your video. life, that and, video. And, and I found that video. I found that video. So, um, uh, but let, let's get into this because we, I, I do want to share a lot with you. I, I want to start with Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me see. If, I think I got, I got a clicker. I've always wanted to use a clicker. This is awesome. <laughs> Watch this. There, I didn't even have to click it. It's on there, there already. Okay. I want to share a story uh, of my life from 90 years before I was born. Uh, well, 90, let me see. Uh, when my grand, my mother was a baby, I have a picture, you'll see in a minute, my mother was a baby, but 
um, whenever you look at your life story, and especially if you really look into it, you will see uh, the devil's activity in your life, in your generations, and then you will see God's hand in it. Uh, my wife and I are watching these Netflix series in like six and eight episodes, we were like, what's going to happen at the end? And when you get to the end, you get to look back to the beginning. Right. And well, today's the end as of right now, you know, today's the, 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 you know, the end of this. Today is as far as my story has gone to this point, but now we're getting to look back. And so I want to take you through, and as you're watching my story, just understand you're going to see stuff the devil was doing and the mm -hmm. stuff that God was setting up. He's doing the same thing in your life. Right. That your story beyond way before you and the devil's been trying to destroy your family. He's been trying to destroy your perspective. He's been trying to destroy your concept of God your whole life. So when you had an opportunity to hear about God, you were like, eh, I don't want that. That's what he's been trying to do. And it's, you have to take ownership. We talked about the year to change your life. You have to take ownership to know the truth and the distinction between the truth and the lie. Because the devil has been even poisoning your view of who you are. I play football, right? I love football to death. It's been very good to me. <laughs> But, I'm, but my life is way bigger than that, and your life is way bigger than what you do. Um, and so, um, but let's read this verse. It says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This is God talking to Israel when they were in bondage in slavery. No matter what your life is like right now, no matter how much pain you're in, God says, I have something good for you. I really do. And, and as, as soon as you reach out to me, you can get it. And then look what it says next. It says... Then you will call upon me. When you get so desperate in your life, God will allow you to destroy your life. And he will allow you to kill yourself. And he will allow you to go to hell. Mm. Because in the end of the day, it has to be your decision. But when you figure out the devil has beat you up so much, you're tired. He says, man, just call to me and, and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with your whole heart. And so as you hear my story, I want you to be thinking about your story and uh, what God's doing in your life and how much he wants to save you. Can I get amen? Yeah. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for my life, the ups and downs, the pains, and even the good times and the bad times that, we're living, that our family's living in right now. And, and uh, we just thank you for being on our side. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. Pastor, uh, Colossians says, there's this life that we once lived. Would you give us the background? Tell us about the life that built up to, to where you were um, there's a lot of racism, there was alcohol stuff, yep. there was abandonment. Give us that journey. Yeah, black and white pictures, literally of black and white people, and there were actually no color pictures. So this picture right here is uh, that little baby on the left is my mother. So as all y'all know, when a, when, a, when a girl is born, she has all her eggs in her, uh, in her when she's born. Uh, just for you fellas, you might not know that, but when a girl is born, when, she, when a woman, female, is in the womb, a female is in the womb, she has all her eggs in her that she will ever have for her whole life. Mm. So I was in that baby. And, 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 and the two, <laughs> this is like 90 years ago. And the two people on the right in the middle are my grandparents. And actually the same on the right here. They were black and white. Obviously they had tons of racism in their life. They couldn't get married in certain places. My white grandmother's family disowned her. They lived 15 minutes from us. I never knew them, never met them. Didn't even know they existed until I got old. And so our family was dealing with that from, from the beginning. And then my other grandmother here, she's half Chinese and half black. Her father's from China. He came to Jamaica West Indies, got jungle fever, started messing around with black wow. women. Wow. True story. <laughs> Tell true story. Happened, hey, hey, come on now. He, he knows us up, right? 
<laughs> and he, he started having babies with these women, and my grandmother was one of them, and he did not raise her. She was raised by her, her grandmother. Mm. Uh, so she was abandoned. Both my grandmothers ha had abandonment. And then that's my grandfather, the smoothest brother I ever met in my life. No, I mean, just look at that, brother. He's that's smooth. a smooth picture. Hey, can I get him? Hey, ladies in the house, amen. can I get him? All right, don't be, don't be, don't be lo looking at my grandpa like that. But <laughs> I, I, I was in, um, I was in uh, uh, England doing a men's conference, and I showed this picture of my grandmother, and all these dudes are like, woo! I said, yo, man, let me hoop my grandma. <laughs> But my grandmother here, my, my, so my grandparents were from Jamaica, and, and my grandfather had a nightclub in Jamaica. If y'all know Ricky Ricardo, mm -hmm. and he had a nightclub. He was smooth. He was, he was well-to-do. And, and, and my grandmother would always go, baby, baby, come here, darling, darling, come, darling. And she would just put her hands and she said, you're, you're the most handsome guy on your football team. Every, every football picture I had, I was like, Grandma, okay. And, you know, it's your grandmother. She'd tell you she's handsome. <laughs> but that was her thing. You're, the, you're, the, you're so handsome. You're so, she would tell me every time I saw her, you're so handsome. So she got this in my head. She, but my I was a pallbearer one time in my life, and it was for her. Mm. And as soon as I grabbed that coffin, something went through my body, and it was, it was supernatural. Wow. It was supernatural. And I remember me and my brothers got to carry her, and it, it, was, like a, it was a spiritual experience like God saying, I've been carrying you your whole life. Wow. And, wow. But when I picked it up, I felt this sense of she is completely helpless right now. She needs us. And, um, but my, Grandma Sybil was, she was, and I will tell you, I married Grandma Sybil. When my wife met my grandmother, they both have a gap teeth. That my grandmother, you can't see if she had a gap teeth. And, and that stuck me from my, since I was a little kid. And my wife has this little gap teeth and the thing. And, and they, they, they're like twins in their personality. Mm -hmm. And they, they even looked like her. And because she was the sweetest lady, her and my mom, uh, that I've ever met. And then here are my parents. Um, my parents, uh, 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 my father grew up in Jamaica, came here when he was 13. He was left in Jamaica for three years as a kid uh, because his parents immigrated to the United States, him and his brother. Mm -hmm. That was a sense of pain and abandonment as well. Um, but my father was a cop 33 years in New York City. My mother was a nurse. She worked full time. Gave birth to five kids in six years. Wow. And, and so, so... You got to say that again slow. Five... Was... Hey, my, my mother was 4'11". She worked full-time. Gave birth to five kids in six years. No, there was no, no, no um, disposable diapers. Y'all are soft. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. We had the cloth things. You had to wash those the bad boys out and hang them up and dry them. And my mother was a monster. And, um, Come on, uh, uh, but she was she was amazing woman. Um, and I got to, uh, probably one of the honors of my life is to see both my parents and introduce them not only to faith, but introduce them to God when they died. I was there yeah. both when they first died. And um, uh, so anyway, that's, so my, my growing up, I had black, white, mm -hmm. Chinese, West Indian, and my father told me I was Puerto Rican, that I was adopted. <laughs> Puerto Rican. Como esta, como esta. <laughs> I'm not lying. He go, mira, mira, mira. Because I grew up in New York, and this right here in New York is Puerto Rican. And so I, I, I hold my life. I'm like, okay, I'm going to marry a Puerto Rican girl. And uh, I literally would walk around Puerto Rican neighborhoods looking for my wife at, you know, age 14, 15 years old. No lie. 14. 14. Well, since I was this age, this is me as a baby. Uh-oh. Come on now. Smooth What's criminal. up? What's up? Smooth criminal. <laughs> 
That's how San Juan Puerto Rico right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that brother was smooth right there. Yeah. My, my father used to tell me I'd be in the crib doing this. If, if I was in the crib and some, you know, girl came or women came, you know, whatever, and say hi, I'd be like, <laughs> as a baby, as a baby. So, but oh, that man. was me as one years old. I had, I, you know, I, had, I, I, you know, I don't remember that. I, whatever. But I grew up in what a happened? What ha- happened? <laughs> oh, I was, I was just constantly, I was just, it, was a man, it was a man in his thoughts. I was just thinking about life. Where was I going to go with my life? I was probably trying to get this tie off my neck. Um, I grew up in a black neighborhood, went to school in a white neighborhood, and then in the 60s, um, the white neighborhood, you couldn't live if you were black at all. There was no black people there. Where I lived, there were white people. My grandmother lived in my neighborhood. And so we had a few whites, and it, was, it wasn't, they, they were fine, but you couldn't live in, a, and so I, I went over this block called Ocean Avenue every day to go to school for eight years, and it was stressful. So I would go there, because I would get called the N-word and all, this, all these things, me and my siblings, and then we come back into the black neighborhood, and I get called white boy, because I wasn't black enough. So I was getting it both ways, and then I go to my house, my grandmother's white, my, my other family's brown, and my other grandmother's Chinese, and I think I'm Puerto Rican, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get on my football team. My football team, we all got along. So in, in my life, it was all this racism, division, hatred, love, and trying to be the middle guy. And I remember, you know, uh, uh, just in my team, always trying to get, help people get along. Mm-hmm. Because I got along with my teammates, and football was a great unifier in my life. Um, and even in the neighborhoods. Um, so anyway, that was me. That, so that was the filter through which I saw the world. All of y'all, all of us have a filter through which we see mm-hmm. the world. And it's based on our, gro- our experience growing up. It's the only, you can only do, you can only see life and, uh, and understand things from based on what you've been shown and what you've experienced. It doesn't mean that's, that's true. Uh, I say true, correct. It's just true to you. And so at some point, you got to step back and go, God, show me your perspective. Right, right. And, and so God was showing me, I'm setting you up to be the middleman. Look at the mm-hmm, church. Mm-hmm. Look at what we got here. And, you know, people ask me, how do you get this? I says, I don't. It's not me. God, God was God forging did. this diversity, in my opinion, yeah. there. Yeah, And 100%. doing something amazing there. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. And, and so, you know, it, I... It's so obvious to see that now on this side of it. You know, Romans tells us God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according yep. to his purpose. And you can see out of that pain and the struggle and the tension, the blessing on the backside of that burden today. Yeah. And we get to experience that today. Yeah. So we can see it. And, and most people experience race from one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And I was experiencing in the middle of all of it and, and trying to, okay, how do I, ever since I can remember my whole life, is how, do, how do these people think? How do these people think? How, how are these communities going to react? And how are we going to get people along? And then my high school, we all came together. My high school was literally on the street that divided the black neighborhood from the white neighborhood. Mm. And it was a, one of the best four years of my life. I would go back to high school in a minute. I had so much fun in my high school because we all got along great. And I was like the mayor. Hey, what's up, everybody? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so these are my, these are my um, siblings, uh, five kids. I'm the one on the left with the big ears. I never realized I had big ears until I, I was a little kid. Um, <laughs> and uh, my oldest sister is less than a year older than me. And then my, in five, in five, six years, my mother had all those little rugrats right there. And then we grew up, bam. Um, and it, yes, my, my, I got some pretty sisters, you know what I'm saying? 
Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because I got some pretty parents. Look at that. I got some pretty hey, parents. Look at that. What's up? What's up? Uh, my sister, yeah, my sister's kind of, my sister on the left worked here. My sister on the right, she's crazy. She's clean. No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we call her clinically crazy. She's not clinically crazy, but we just call her that because she is, but she's not. She oh, um, my goodness. But we, we had, we had, we referred to our house. Our address was 290, 290 North Coventry Road. And in our family, all the parents are gone. So our kids, if we just say 290, mm-hmm. we pause because we had, in our estimation, low. I, again, my experience, we had the best family on the planet. My sister will tell you it was a nightmare. I don't, I don't know what she, what she was thinking, mm. but we did have a great time. We had a very close family. We, we, we all, our house was the house everybody came to, um, and black and white, you know, and, and we just had that spot. Um, when I was 10, I started playing football. Now, I'm a top left yellow sheet. I know, I know in culture, some of y'all say you don't see color. So for all of y'all, I'm the one on the left at the top, okay? <laughs> don't say you don't see color. You know that's me. Okay, so 21 was my favorite um, number because of a guy named Roberto Clemente. When I was a kid, Roberto Clemente was a baseball player. Come on out. And he was a Latin baseball player. Gave his life, and he gave his life serving people. Mm-hmm. He gave his life taking um, uh, supplies to earthquake victims in the plane crash, and he died. And uh, I, that's my number forever. The guy in my right in the yellow, uh, his name is Stephen Brawley. His number was 42. He was twice as good as me. That's why his number is twice the, my wow. number. <laughs> <laughs> me and him, were, we were unstoppable. We were just some bad brothers, both running backs and uh, defensive backs. Bottom left, I was in, uh, uh, right, I was in high school. That's my youngest brother, uh, who I'm going to talk about here in a minute. And then bottom left, as I was in college, uh, all my brothers, my, both my brothers were professional athletes. Um, you'll see here, my brother was a professional boxer. He was eighth ranked in the world. And my brother on the left, which is the little boy you just saw, uh, he ended up being the number one quarterback in the nation in 1987. He was a run-up to the Heisman. He won 18 uh, Player of the Year awards. Uh, again, this is him going to Sugar Bowl. He's on the wow. front page of the newspaper. And uh, that award that he's holding on the right is the Maxwell Award, which is the equivalent to the Heisman Trophy. Um, he was the number one rated passer in the nation. He was number one quarterback in the mm-hmm. nation on the number four ranked team in the nation. And he was drafted in the fifth round. When he came out as a quarterback, black quarterbacks were not accepted. Uh, they said he was too short, uh, too tall, too fast, his butt too small, his legs too skinny. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything you can imagine. Uh, my father and I were going to sue the NFL. I wish I would have. I, I, I didn't have the wherewithal at that time to do that. Um, but, and he was drafted in the fifth round, wow. uh, which is like the 150th player. He was a, Troy Aikman, rightfully so, was the number one player picked the next year, um, and rightfully so, Hall of Famer. But he was ranked number two to my brother, and yet my brother was the 150th player pick. Uh, so that was a sore spot in our, in our family for decades, because my brother's backup, who was a blonde-haired guy, became a quarterback on the team that told my brother they were going to move him to defensive back. Wow. Uh, and, and so it, it, that's, a, that's a whole nother narrative. The guy in the middle here is Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice and my brother winning awards yep. together. Y'all know Jerry Rice. Yep. And um, he's on, he played for the 49ers who are going to lose today. Oh. At the game. <laughs> wow. Wow. You just lost half of everybody here. Wow. <laughs> People are walking out the exits. People, People are walking, walking out, out the exits. <laughs> Let me say something about the game today. It's going to be an amazing game. 
I, 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 I love both teams. Both teams are, are super talented. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I love both quarterbacks. Mahomes is a bad boy. Bur Purdy's a bad boy. Purdy's a, like the, the story of the century in football. Um, and he loves uh, Jesus, by the way. And, and, and Mahomes is a Jesus. Christian as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Christians out there. So anyway, that my this is so my 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 his my filter was all this racial mm. tension. Football was a unifier. Sports is a unifier. You have a common goal, which is win, and common enemy, which is the other team, and people from all over come together. That's mm -hmm. why sports, one of the reasons sports is so amazing. But at the same time I was doing this, I was a mess. You know, this is, uh, this is me. Uh, I've been waiting for this picture. I've been waiting for this picture. <laughs> You've been waiting for this picture? That's a lot of leg. That's a lot of leg. Hey, hey. <laughs> and that, and that, we, were, we were talking in the back. That shirt, I think it's just hey, sheer see-through shirt. Listen, listen, listen. Close your eyes. Listen. Look at that shirt. There are some pictures I didn't want to show y'all because, I, you know, we in the house of the Lord. <laughs> We, we were thinking, is, should we show the leg? I'm like, that's 1985 leg. We can show that leg. Hey, that's the 85 leg. That's a 1979 leg. I was in high school. That, oh leg, that, leg, that leg got me out to California. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Um, this, is, this is my best friend in the whole world. We uh, were uh, enjoying the fruits of a cannabis plant in this, in this picture. <laughs> True story. I mean, we, we were, yeah. we were lot, lit up in that picture. But this was what, this was, this was, and, and by the way, you're like, why would you, sh why would you say that? Because you know, I can sit here and tell you all the great stories, but this is reality. Matter of fact, if you read the Bible, the reason drama is in the Bible, mm -hmm. murder and incest and rape, is because it's, it's real. Right. Because, matter of fact, that's one of the things that validates the Bible. Mm -hmm. These are real people. I was a mess. You know, I was in college and, you know, getting high and doing all those things. And, and it was right around this time, these hippies came up to me and shared the gospel with me. What year was that? 1979. And they just straight up told me Jesus loved me and died on the cross. Was that the first time you'd ever heard the gospel? First time. Now, I, I went to Catholic school, so I understood the gospel, mm -hmm. you know, but I didn't understand it in the context of relationship. Wow. And these guys shared this with me, and I was just stunned, and I was like, something in my spirit said, this is right. And I asked Christ to be my savior. Stop doing, stop smoking weed, stop sleeping with the girlfriend I had at the time. And I was like, but I had nobody in my life. I had no church to go to, I had no friends, I had no disciples, I had Mike. You know, he, he go out. You saw his face. He's like, <laughs> he's like <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, and I still talk to him to this day. Um, and then, uh, uh, Jeremiah, you will seek me and you will find me when you search me with your heart. Come on. And I did. I found him because I said, I want you. And I, and I have to pay for it. I have to earn it. I just had to trust by faith. And he, ex he accepted me. But I had nobody in my life, so I fell back into doing this. <laughs> this is me and my girlfriend, now wife, at a party in, in, high school, in college, and we were enjoying some German beverages. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what are you doing in that picture? Uh, huh? What are you doing? Like, the beach is that way. You know, I was it's like, like, it's that way. I was like, hey, <laughs> I was doing some kind of Saturday Night Fever thing. I don't know what I was doing, but... 
we were, we were dancing and we were at a dorm, in the dorm. I, I don't know how I have this picture. Uh, but again, I just fell back into all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, again, I was a mess. I was in college. Speak to that because there's a group of people that come every week and they have that, you know, under the tree moment where they hear the gospel and they realize that that's for me, but there's no community. There's no support. There's no church. And they go right back to the same place they came from. And, and that will happen. And God will let that happen. God's not, he doesn't make robots. And he's not gonna, he's gonna set you up, put people in your life. Um, uh, and it's up to you to take ownership. I would say ownership. Ownership. It's up to you to take ownership of that opportunity. We've been talking to you about you sharing your faith. It's up to you to share your faith with your friends. And, you know, we've been doing these trainings and we have another one Wednesday, but one of the biggest reason people aren't leading people to the Lord that go through our training is that they're scared to say it. Hmm. You're scared. You're worried about your whatever at the expense of someone's eternity. I was on a plane the other day with a guy coming from Vegas. I actually was coming from Oklahoma City through Vegas and he got on a plane. It was on my Instagram. And brother from L.A., uh, uh, Long Beach, DeLon, if you're watching, I'm talking about you. And he was almost saved before the plane took off. So he sat down and said, hey, man, you know God? And we just started talking. And in about five minutes, he was ready. we were ready. And so I, I'm going to tell you the gospel is so powerful. But once you ask Christ to be your Savior, you have to now get into a group, and they're going to talk to you about how to do that. But if you just kind of, hey, I'm going to go to church every now and then, eh, that's going to be very difficult to work. It's, it's about relationship. So I was there, a mess. I got drafted to the NFL a few years later. Now you can tell I've been working out in that one. <laughs> and I was leaving. I was leaving New York. That was in front of my house. What kind of uh, car is that? That's an Olds. They don't make those anymore. That's an Oldsmobile 98. Uh, you remember 98s? It was, like, it was like a wannabe Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Chrysler, I got, the Chrysler huh? that looks like the Phantom, but it's not the Phantom. Is it what? Yeah, it's so the a, Chrysler 300. It, yeah, it looks it, like a Phantom, but it's it looks not like a Phantom. It, it, but it, it was it was my grandfather's car. It got handed down to my father. It got handed down to my son, and it got hand, you know to me, uh, to, to my my brother. Uh, and then I got drafted to the to the Rams. Got cut, which means you don't make the team. And then I signed with the San Diego Chargers. And um, when I signed with the San Diego Chargers, the first two years I was doing cocaine, Hanalei Hotel, which is not the Hanalei Hotel anymore, we were in that hotel with five players and someone put cocaine on the table. Wow. And I vowed never to do cocaine. Uh, cocaine was like heroin to me. It was like, you know, it'll kill you. And it will. Well, five minutes later, I was doing cocaine. Mm. Two years later, I was doing cocaine. And I did cocaine for two years, um, my first two years with the Chargers. And then one night, 5 o'clock in the morning, I was up. I had been doing cocaine all night. And I just said, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. The devil wore me out. Yeah. The cocaine wore me out. And just as a show of hands, how many of y'all have been to the point where your sin has wore you out? Just raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Great. Then stop. Then, 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 yeah. then kick it to the curb. <laughs> Say, Jesus, I don't want this anymore. And trust me, I never did cocaine again. April 12, 1984. I stopped doing cocaine in one day. You can stop. <laughs> Amen. I was in a crack house with my teammate. My teammate would disappear. My, my best friend on the team, he disappeared for three days. Yeah. I'm like, Danny, where you at? Oh, man, you know, I'm hitting that pipe, man, hitting that pipe, man. Uh, this is for real story. I'm like, dude. And so one day I said, I'm going with you. Because, I, you know, I got, I, not that I want to do it, but I'm going with you. So I went in with him, and I'm in the bathroom, 
with this dude, he's making crack. Right here in San Diego, he's making crack. And I'm in there, man, you jacked up. And then my teammate comes and hits the pipe right in front of me. And I'm like, man, he says, you want something? I was like, nah. He says, hey, you strong. I said, no, I'm scared. Look at your eyes, man. Your eyes are... <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> you like... <laughs> you saw you, you wouldn't do it either. Yeah. That's right. So I go in the next room. I'm doing cocaine by myself. And, and this little voice says, you made it. Mm. You're successful. You're in the NFL. Your know, life is jacked up. You, you and your girlfriend is jacked up. You got, you're in this dark place in Southeast San Diego in this house. Nobody's with you, and you're doing cocaine, and this is your success. Wow. That's what God told Adam and Eve. When they, when they sinned and started hiding from God, God said, where are you? He wasn't saying, what tree are you behind? He was like, where, what status in life have you achieved now that you've done what you wanted to do? Right. It don't work. Sin will never work. It's you, something's going to die, then you will eventually die. It'll never work. Mark my words. Go out there and cheat on your wife. Watch what happens. Go out there and sleep around. Watch what happens. Go out there and make decisions for yourself that are against the Bible. Watch what happens. Just, just pay attention to what happens. Just, at least give yourself the respect to look yourself in the mirror and be truthful with what, where you're at. At least do that. Mm -hmm. You owe yourself that. So I gave my life to Christ and I stopped doing cocaine in one day. That picture on the right, uh, I was a starter. God blessed me. Uh, that guy was, I met that guy when I was in college and we ended up playing against each other. He was the first pro I ever met. And we ended up playing against each other. And then, you know, I played football. Then I got married. And uh, that's my wife. That's Amen. Awesome. That's beautiful. This is... We got the background we, we saw before Jesus. The guys came and spread the gospel to you. You heard it for the first time. A little bit of backsliding. And then that picture of you in the blue, number 24. You're a new creation. That's the beginning of the new life. Family, yep. marriage, God blessing you. Yep. He says, I will bring you to a place which I, which, I, which I cause you to be carried away captive. God is going to save you. If you give your life to him, he will bring you to a place of peace, a, good, a, 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 a green pasture in the sight of your enemy. Amidst all the drama in your life, God will bring you to a place of peace and to a place of contentment and to a place of clarity about who you are. Right. And so I'm in the same locker room, but I'm not hanging out with them anymore. I'm hanging out with them. Wow. I'm in the same, in the, on, on the same block, you know, in the same neighborhood, but I, I'm looking at interacting with different people, seeing life from a different perspective. I was going to prisons, taking the gospel to prisons. And God said, I'm going to change your life. As a matter of fact, I'm in my house and these kids, these kids, these very kids are throwing beer bottles on my lawn. Now, I never met a Filipino person in my life. I'm thinking they're Puerto Rican. <laughs> I mean, the closest thing we got to that, I'm thinking browns, they, they got straight hair, they're brown, they're Puerto Rican, but they got a little slant to their eyes, so maybe they ain't Puerto Rican. I don't know what these fools are. So I went out there, oh I gosh. said, yo, man, what are y'all? Literally, it's a true story. To these brothers right here, what are y'all? They said, oh, we Filipino, man. I said, yo, Filipino, man, stop throwing beer bottles on my lawn. And they, I lived in Rancho Penasquita, so I, the guy on the left, I, I invited him to the house. I said, hey, man, come here, I want to talk to you. He got saved. I said, okay, go get, go get your boys. And they got to say it. And I had a house full of 30 kids with nine nationalities, nine nationalities in my house. I, I had black, white, Mexican, Puerto Rican, Filipino, Chinese, Japanese, all kind of, it was the United Nations. Yep. And I said, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the Pope up in here, right? And, and, and that's how I started with these brothers, right? And I still am involved in the, you know, still contact with some of these guys. And, um, 
But that was, that, that's how it started. God said, now I'm going to show you Come on. why I gave you the mouth that you have. Faithful, faithful and little. Faithful and little. Much. And now we have this. Yep. And all the campuses all over San Diego and LA, I mean uh, Oahu. Um, this is my, 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 my little children's. Uh, they're all children's. Yep. These are children's. These were children's. Uh, and then I went to a conference, the same conference I'm going to next week called PAO, Pro Athletes Outreach. And they had a, they had a workshop. There's all these pro, pro football players and their wives and girlfriends. And they had a workshop for evangelism. So I go to the workshop, and I'm the only guy in the workshop with the workshop leader. Now, can you imagine having a workshop and no one shows up but one guy? Yeah. I was that guy. And God said, I, I, I want you to have, I want you to give me undivided attention. Wow. And I went to that workshop, and I walked out of that workshop saying, I'm an evangelist. Hmm. That was it. Now, that guy probably think, man, no one wants to come to my workshop. God said, don't worry about that. I'm sending the guy. Yeah. I'm sending the guy. Amen. Yep. Amen. So we started doing youth crusades, and this is what happened. We started doing youth crusades. On the left, that was in Canada. We had 18,000 kids. We, the, 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 we had uh, 17,000 in Buffalo. We had crusades here in San Diego. Obviously started here at the sports arena. Um, and then Coors Amphitheater. We did like... 18 crusades in U.S., Canada, Caribbean, Africa, and we're going to start them again. June 26th, at, uh, come on hey now. now, June 26th, we're going to have an event at the, core, I mean, the Open Air Theater at San Diego State uh, for kids, a youth crusade. We're not going to call it just one event, but we're going to share the gospel, and I'm excited about that. But that, that happened That's before incredible. the Rock Church, and then, uh, then we started the Rock Church, and here's Montezuma Hall. Come on. 2000. Amen. Amen. Anybody at Montezuma Hall? Anybody at Montezuma yeah, Hall? Amen. Incredible. Then Rough and Road. We had Rough yep. and Road Church. Yep. Rough and and then, then we got Point Loma. And, um, uh, and so I'll end with this. Here's my family now, those little kids, the children that have grown up. Beautiful. Amen. Pastor, I had one more question for you. And I'm just going to put one more picture up Do here. It. Do it. That's my that's Hey. My That's, I love that girl. I love that's that boy. Awesome. Go ahead. Uh, Ephesians says, live a life worthy of the calling that you've been called towards. Um, I can't help but think about the guys that evangelized to this random guy who looked different than them, that they didn't know, have, having no idea what the future would look like. And then fast forward, you're in this home and there's guys throwing beer bottles in your house. And, and most of us would be like, just get off my lawn, get away. But you evangelize. And we're talking about the year that changed my life and evangelism changed your life in 1984. How can you challenge the church, challenge our campuses, challenge everybody here today to live that life worthy and evangelize, change someone's life? Uh, two things. One, every week we're sharing you a little bit of the gospel. I can't encourage you enough. Just say it to your friends. Just say, hey, can I, can I share something with you that I've been learning at church? You can go on a website, see the whole gospel. Just do it. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you had a light switch and the room was dark and a little kid hit the light switch, the light comes on. If an adult hits the light switch, the light comes on. If a dog hit the light switch, the light comes on. The light is the gospel. It's not the person who hits the switch. Amen. So all you got to do is share it. Number two, um, I'm an altar call junkie. If I do a funeral, I don't know if I've ever done a funeral where I haven't done an altar call. 
We have police officers that die in this place is full of cops. Hundreds of people get saved every time. I just did one the other day. We did one the other day for someone who worked for the charges. Spanos family was here, all these people were here. Hey, they're gonna get the gospel, why? There is nothing more important than the gospel because you're either gonna go to hell or heaven. Mm-hmm. And so I wanna share the gospel with you and give you opportunity to ask Christ to be your savior. If you've been here over and over again and you've heard it and you never respond to it, don't let it be white noise because you're going to die. My wife and I, you know, we talk about, we were just talking the other day, are we gonna die together? Are we gonna die separate? And what happens if one of us dies first and blah, 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 and here's what you're gonna do and I'm gonna set you up, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and because it's, it's, it's real, it's coming. And I'll share a story with you that has become my go-to. Whenever someone makes a glove, you might hear this story. They make a glove in the image of a hand so the hand can go in the glove. Without the hand in the glove, the glove is dead. But when you put your hand in the glove, it gives the glove life and purpose and power and the ability to fulfill its purpose. God made you and us in his image so he can live inside of us. So when he lives inside of you, he gives you purpose and power and clarity about who you are. Without God in you, you're dead. Spiritually, you can walk around, you can talk, you can make money and have a career, but spiritually, you are dead. And there's things about God that you'll never know until God's in you. And so we want to give you opportunity to ask Christ to come live inside of you. To, one, acknowledge that God made you in his image and that in our pride, we push God away. But Jesus sent his son down to us because we couldn't get to him. Religion is man's failed attempt to get to God. Religion is man's failed attempt to get to God. That's why there's thousands of them, because we keep trying all these different things. None of it works. Christianity is God's attempt to come down to us and to live inside of us. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. He just wants relationship. And once he's inside of you, now you and him, let him lead you. He knows better than you. God is smarter than you. Now, you can decide, I don't want any of that. And just like you admitted a few minutes ago, you'll raise your hand saying the devil will wear you out. The devil will wear you out. Because he's about death, destruction, lie, murderer, father of lies. He's an accuser. He's a destroyer. That's all he wants for you. He'll tell you one thing, but he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna do something else. Uh, uh, he'll promise you life. He'll promise you happiness. I was living, hey, I'm going to get high. I'm going to hang out with all the honeys. I'm going to go to the parties. And he was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just disguising death. And it was true. Luckily, I woke up in time. So I want all y'all to bow your heads and close your eyes and, and just listen very carefully. Lord, thank you so much for all these years from that picture with my mom knowing back then as I was just a a microscopic egg in her, but you had a plan even then for me. You knew who I was when I was in her her womb and even before that. And you know every person in this room, you know the journey we've been on, you know the pain, the generational curses that have been passed down to us. But great is he who's in us and he who's in the world. And you can break all those curses and set us free that we can walk in peace and power and love. If you would like to ask Christ to be your savior, just pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you have a plan for my life. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead 
for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me. Come live in my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to stand up. And by standing, you are acknowledging that you are surrendering your life to Jesus. You are doing a 180. Turn away from the devil and his plan for your life and turning towards God's plan in your life. So if you would like to admit that publicly today, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. One, two, three, stand to your feet. God bless you, 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 God bless you. Stay standing, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Now, I'm gonna ask all y'all who are standing, come out of your seat, come on down to the altar. You can bring your family with you. If you're in the balcony, turn around and walk up and I'll just bring you down. Just come on down to the altar. Let's give them a hand they come on down. Come on, church. God bless you, man. God bless you, girl. God bless you. 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 Come on, church. Come on, prayer team. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, hey, hey. God bless you. God bless you. My homies. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. Don't be good. Don't be good. Don't be good. God bless you. 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 Ha, ha, ha.